Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This is Craig Colquitt, former punter for the University of Tennessee Volunteers and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you are listening to Total Sports Recall Podcast, a part of Sports History Network. Now, here is your host, Harv Aronson. I'm your host, Harv Aronson, and for this episode, I bring in a gentleman that's partly responsible for helping this show get off the ground. He's also in charge of the network for which this podcast is a part of. I would like to introduce Arnie Chapman. Established in 2020, the Sports History Network, in Arnie's words, was created to be the home field advantage for podcasters of sports from the past. According to Arnie, podcasters through the Sports History Network can take advantage of shared resources and other benefits. The Sports History Network provides multiple forms of membership options to its podcasters that will fit into each podcaster's needs and expected outcomes of the network. Arnie's also the host of his own podcast titled The Football History Dude. His show is dedicated to teaching NFL fans about the history of professional football. When he's not podcasting, he's drinking the blue Kool-Aid as a Detroit Lions fan. And that's not just this year. He's lived in Honolulu blue and silver his whole life. Welcome to the show, Arnie. And I must begin by giving you a big thank you for advising me on podcasting, directing me to purchase the right equipment, signing me up for the best podcasting apps, and I'm sure I'm not the first podcaster you've helped get off the ra- off the ground, correct? <laughs> well, first off, thanks for having me, Harv. Uh, yes, uh, I I do drink the blue Kool Aid, and that is not just this year; that is my whole life. I'm a true blood, born and raised in the Michigan area, and I have uh, gone through a lot of more downs than ups throughout my whole life. But as far as the podcast goes, no, you're you're not the first one that I've worked with. Um, it's something that actually I found that I enjoy more of the podcast and helping people start their shows than anything. And we'll probably get into that later in the episode. Sure. And uh, when you when you talk about the Detroit Lions, do you know, I'm sure you've seen Crack Man. Crack Man. Oh, I'm I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to look this up. What what's Crack Man? Yeah. He's when I won the Visa Hall of Fans Award uh, and got up to the Hall of Fame and. That's a story for another day, but um, <laughs> he also won the award for the Detroit Lions, and he's a nut. Uh, he wears, uh, like, these cut-off farmer jeans, a, a hard hat, and he's a diehard Lions fan. So he, you, I'm sure if you look him up, you'll you'll recognize him when you see him. But, yeah, he's, he's yep, in the no, Hall now that you say that, I'm, yep, I'm looking him up right now. I see him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a funny guy. Oh, he is just a riot. So, uh, but diehard, diehard Lions fan. So uh, for those who are out there who might be listening that want to start a podcast, so what would your initial advice be to somebody that might say, hey, I want to do a podcast too? 
I mean, the first thing, of course, we always say is we'll just start because people um, tend to get nervous. Okay, let me take it back a little bit. The first thing that everyone always says is, who am I, the imposter syndrome, to be on a podcast and be out there and telling people the world like what I think? You know, who am I other than you know, this, just this person sitting in my room, that kind of thing. But even like a guy like Tom Hanks even talks about imposter syndrome. One of the probably greatest actors of all time, if not the greatest actor of all time of Mm -hmm. not thinking he's really worthy of having the role that he has. And so that's Mm -hmm. the first thing. Um, The next thing that you always hear people talk about is I don't like the sound of my voice. You know, I don't, I just don't hear it. And (laughs) the thing is when, you know, not to get too sciencey on you, but there's a, some kind of, thing that makes it so we hear our voice differently than what so harv is listening to my voice right now and i sound different to you than i sound to myself because when i hear myself talking it's actually it's um vibrating through my skull so there's some kind of like reverberance or something like that and i don't know what it is but like that's that's the first thing is don't worry about the voice and don't worry about people not listening to you because even if you only have 50 downloads or 50 listeners whatever you want to call it within a given month or whatever think about this if you were at a local community library giving a speech on a topic that you're listening to or whatever it might be. But if we, if you're at a place and you have 50 people in a room, like you would feel like this is pretty cool to be able to talk to 50 people. Now you have the ability to take those 50 people and maybe spread them out across the world. So don't worry about the imposter syndrome. Don't worry about the not liking your own voice. And then at the end of the day, it's like, just have fun. So start with it. Yeah. And that is true. Um, You know, I'm, I'm having a blast with it and, you know, I always have that in the back of my my mind too. How how am I actually going to sound? Because <laughs> it's true. Sometimes you don't like your own voice and you and you question it. Um, and podcasting is so popular right now. I mean, it's just everybody's got podcasts. It's all over the place. And I actually think it's kind of put a dent in YouTube people putting YouTube videos up. Everybody wants to do a podcast now, so it's, it's kind of pushed YouTube back a little bit. I think anyway. One of the things about that, too, is, you know, to take it to the next level, if the listener's interested in jumping into that realm, before that was our avenue. Okay, you thought I have to be on YouTube or I have to be showing my video on all these different. The beauty of it is if you don't like the way you look and you don't want to be on camera, podcast Uh is just your voice. You're sitting there. Harv and I are talking right now on a Saturday morning at 10.55 a.m. It's not going to be released until whenever. If something happens, you just edit it out. You don't have to worry about like radio and live and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And there's been a few of my interviews that a couple of glitches might have happened in the process. So you have to go back and you fix it because you certainly don't want to release that um, to the public. Uh, So give our listeners a little bit background on how and why the Sports History Network got started. Um, I think to do that, maybe I should really go back to the origin of the my first podcast. So I'm going to show you this. Harv, you get to ride the DeLorean. So the DeLorean is something that everybody gets to ride on my podcast, which is the Football (laughs) History Dude and now the Fantasy Football Origin Stories. But I'm going to take it even back a step further. Uh, 2017-ish. So this is when I received, like I finally finished my online schooling for the master's degree and I had been listening to podcasts for a long time. And I really was thinking about starting one. Well, 2010, I did a podcast about my fantasy football league, but that doesn't count because there was a lot of copyright infringement. We had Michael Jackson and music on. Let's not talk about that one. But I thought I wanted to be the fantasy football dude. My wife even bought me this controller, which you can't read it right here, but it says FF dude on it. And 
Yeah, so I I was going to be the fo- fantasy football dude, and I was going to start a fantasy football podcast back in the end of 2017 when the season start or when the season was ending, and then I just kind of transitioned. I was like, man, there's so many fantasy football podcasts out there. Who am I again? That imposter syndrome of why would I? Who would listen to me? There's sure. the Matthew Berries of the world. There's the mm-hmm. fantasy footballers. The all these other guys. So I just kind of really got into. I got in my head, I guess you could say, but then I was like, I really want to start this show still. I really like the NFL is my my number one passion and then history in general, not just sports history. I just love history all around. So I started looking to see if there was any football history podcasts. At the time, there were some not super dedicated. Some of them were dead podcasts that had started like five years previously, maybe by the NFL network, eight episodes shut down, that kind of thing. So I decided I was going to start what I ultimately called the football history dude show. And the reason for that, that people always ask is why'd you call it the football history dude? Uh, well, I don't know. We, part of it's because <laughs> I, we, <laughs> I'm, I'm the dude. Okay. So the football history dude part, football history is obvious. I wanted to have, and this is a tip for the listener of the show. Try to get something in the name of your podcast that describes what the show is going to be about. So football history, I couldn't say NFL history because I didn't right. want copyright infringement, but exactly. the dude part was because, kind of an, almost an homage to my grandpa um we may get into that later but like he's the reason why we're lions fans he's the reason why we're football fans in general but like he would call us hey dude and stuff like that all the time so it was kind of like in our family ingrained and mm-hmm. somehow i knew i wanted the word dude in there because i wanted to come across the fact that this show is not going to be just strictly i'm not reading like the guy from clear eyes and then back in 1867, Walter yeah. Camp started, you know, I wanted to let him know that it was going to be like kind of a fun show, but at the same time, it's serious about like getting the facts right. So that's kind of where it started. That podcast happened. Um, I was a solo ship, we'll call it, where it was just me on the mic, super nervous, like I talked about earlier. I even had the microphone upside down for my first episode, so it sounded like I was in a wind tunnel. I had a really bad, you know, and I talked about Walter Camp, the father of American football, and just had a bullet list. I was really, you know. For lack of better terms, I forced it because I thought I had to be humorous. I wasn't um, genuine, maybe is the best word to put it. So I slowly started to get into like the, the solo episodes. Flash forward to 2019-ish around March, a guy named Upton Bell reaches out. And Upton Bell, if in the football, not now, but back in the day, that name, the Bell family, was really critical to sport actually to Pittsburgh too to uh, the terrible towel so Bert yeah Burt Bell half owned so wow. yeah Burt Bell it, Upton is Burt Bell's son no way oh, so yeah. yeah Upton was part of the Colts organization for a long time when like wow. Unitas was there and uh Carol Rosenblum actually mm-hmm. when Burt Bell passed away do you know the story about how Burt Bell passed away as the commissioner while his two former teams mm-hmm. were okay so he was he Burt Bell founded the Eagles actually with right. his his wife and everything and then mm-hmm. he was also kind of part owner of the Steelers and they got together yeah. as the Steagles for that year yeah. okay yeah. so mm-hmm. because he was kind of part owner of each and then when he went in to be the commissioner possibly the first great commissioner of the NFL there was a time it was right before I want to say it was the 58 season th- there was a game where the Steelers and the Eagles were playing each other and it was in like what I, I can't remember. I think it was in Philadelphia, but at that game, as his one former team threw a touchdown to basically almost win the game against his other former team in the stands, he had a heart attack, passed oh, away. No yeah. Wow. So, and Upton tells a story. He was running across the field because he was a high school or a college basketball player and all this stuff. But at um, any rate, 
he reaches out because I had previously done an episode on Burt Bell's legacy because he was part of the inaugural Hall of Fame class and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he goes, and this is a phone. I got my iPhone right here. So he, he leaves yeah. a phone message and says, <laughs> hey, you did it. And this guy's like 90 years old at this point. Oh, no you, 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 know, you did an episode on my father, blah, blah, blah. I, I really liked it. I think you should have me on your show. And first off, wow. I'm like, Upton Bell, what is an Upton Bell? I don't know who this name is. Yeah, so I had to do yeah. some Google research. Come to find out, I wish I would have known this story was coming up, but there's a book up there. He sends me the book called Creation of the NFL, present at the creation, because he was there, you know, as a baby. You know, he was born not too long after they founded the Eagles at their he was babysat by like some of the great Eagles in in past, you know, like the um, I'm I'm losing sight. Who's the 46? Who who is the champ? Who's the quarterback of the champion Eagles back in the 40s? Um, Oh my gosh. I'm losing uh, sight. Anyway, but yeah, he he was like his babysitter, like just these yeah. crazy stories. And then he goes into the Colts organization, Carol Rosenblum, who was the owner of the Colts, who people a lot of people don't like him. But anyway, yeah. so he uh he took him in after this because he was gonna the they had an agreement that the Eagles were gonna be gifted to Upton Bell not too long thereafter, but everything fell through. So he took him in in the organization, he was a scout for him. He ended up becoming in 74 the youngest at that time general manager of the Boston Patriots, who then turned into the New England Patriots, so on and so forth. He owned a team in the WFL, the Charlotte, whatever they were called back then. Like, so he's been around all sorts of stuff. And so he's 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 able to like oh, and he was there at ESPN Harvard. He was all that type, you know, like an announcer. So he reaches out, he's like, Hey, I'd like to come on your show and you know, talk about your your, your my father and his story because I really like what you're doing there. Never even considered being an interviewer. I was super nervous. I was like, okay, what do I do? So I grab, so he sends me the book. Um, and that story is even crazy too, because the book gets sent by his publicist, but it goes to this like little podunk, tiny town post office because they had the wrong zip code or something. I'm waiting for like three weeks for this book to come because I'm nervous to read it and then to get stories yeah. or questions, all that stuff. So anyway, I finally get the book. I read it. I probably read it like three times, write all these questions down. And then at that time, I'm like super nervous to interview. So I'm writing. I'm, I, 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 he, he tells a story and he's, he's the really good storyteller. Like you gotta go, Oh, his mom was rolling with Al Capone back in the day. Like she was oh, like no the way. number one, like movie actress. And <laughs> yeah. Like there's like this story, That's you can't true. make these stories up. Some of the stuff yeah. that he tells you. And um, so I, I kind of, I got through that interview and I kind of really enjoyed it. So yeah. promise you this leads into the sports history network. I end up (laughs) deciding at that point. I'm like, huh, somebody reached out to me. And again, this goes to the listener of the show thinking that nobody's really listening. A big name in the industry that maybe people don't know now because everyone thinks that the NFL started after the Super Bowl started. But back then, you know, so he reaches out, we have an interview. And then from there, I decide to start doing more interviews. And then it actually turned into a at the past three, uh, three, three and a half years, whatever, I've only done interviews. I really don't do solo episodes anymore. Mm-hmm. But through that experience, one of the guys that I ended up interviewing was Joe Ziemba and Joe Zagorski, two members of our podcast network right now. Sure. And as we were talking, they're both authors. Um, one is an author more for like Chicago football history. And then the other one is kind of more just specifically 70s football. Had a really good conversation. They both are very well spoken they both have experience speaking in public blah 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 but neither one of them are really technologically savvy when it comes to like the podcast space again another thing that the listener in the show if you're interested in starting a podcast 
the hurdle is the technology, the voice and the imposter syndrome. The technology can be overcome with a little bit of just understanding and just sit back and just have a chance to be able to work through it. With these two guys, we decided, well, let's start. I I told them, if you want to start a podcast, maybe I could help you. This is Josie Emba first. This is like uh, November of 2019. And then I, I bring it, brought him on again in 2020. Joseph Gorski, I have him on in March of 2020, I think it was. And I told him the possibility of starting a podcast. Not more than a day after we released his episode, he, he messages me back. I really like doing that. I, li- I listen to the episode. How do I start that <laughs> podcast you're talking about? I'm like, yeah. well, okay, let's look into it. And then for some reason, somehow Joseph Gorski, so there's Zamba also at the same time was like, let's start a podcast. So the Joe Z's, I always refer to as the guys, the, the founding fathers of the Sports History Network. Sure. So I started their podcast. I did the producing, the editing, all that other stuff. And then we released, even though Joe Zagorski reached out first, we released his trailer episode technically first. And then the real first episode was Memorial Day of 2020, Mats Tonelli. I'm sitting not more than 15 feet from my little barn shed for Joe Ziemba, Mats Tonelli, who was a war hero for the Chicago Cardinals. And I just sat there at when I'm filling up my gas and my lawnmower, you know, not 15 you know, feet from here. And I'm listening to his episode, the first ever episode released on the sports history network. That was not the football history dude tearing up. Cause I was like, man, this is cool. Somebody else's show is on a network that I helped create. And then sure. now people can listen to it. And, and both of their shows are, in my opinion, vastly superior to mine, especially when it comes to like the, um, the amount of work that goes into creating each episode, I kind of free flow as far as I talk to the guests, I do some research, but I want to kind of be like, we're at the bar. They put in so much effort into writing the article. It's like, it's a, it's like a production when we put on their episodes. And then from there, it just kind of just kept going. I had some people reach out. I got to give Darren Hayes big kind of credit because he reached out and he said, Hey, I'm going to put an episode out every day. I'm like, you're nuts, dude. Yeah, and then sure enough, like my interview with him, <laughs> I was yeah, like, you crazy. Yeah. Like 2000 or something, 2000 podcasts. Like what are you out of your mind? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I mean, long story short, now more than three and a half years later, we we're still going, we've been doing different types of things to kind of increase the viability of sports history network. Do we want to make it a lot bigger as we go? Yeah. Cause I want to be able to let more people learn about the podcasters on our network. And that's, that's kind of, I guess the origin story in a nutshell. Yeah. And I think if, if you enjoy talking sports, this is definitely the venue to go uh, because you can talk about any sport, about any topic with sports. And, you know, it's a chance to just, uh, you know, express your opinions and it's a lot of fun. So if you enjoy all that, yeah, podcasting, it can be a a really a lot of fun. I look forward to it. Um, So I think you now have, 38 podcasts on the network now. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but these include my own Total Sports Recall, uh, the Sports Time Traveler, the Football Learning Academy, Gridiron Greats Magazine, When Football Was Football, Pro Football in the 70s, the Pigskin Dispatch, Football Odyssey, among many others. Uh, can you give us the total number of podcasts in the network now and which ones are, are among were among the very first in 2020, which I think you already hit on just before? Yeah, so um, that number is kind of like a floating target because as we bring some on and then as we some of them maybe move on to other things, but when they move on, it's more so maybe they're going to shut their show down. So we may say 38 on my site. We do use a thing called Captivate um, Audio for our podcasting, whatever you want to call it, streaming you know, platform. When I log into my account, there's 38 shows there. 
but not all 38 of those are some of the ones that you just mentioned. We do have mm-hmm. some of the shows that are like affiliate, we call them, where we're just partners. They kind of handle their own podcast uh, subscription. Uh, what's it called? Uh, like their platform for their, their hosting services and things. Sports Chime Travelers, one of them as an example. The Football Odyssey is another example. Where we just want to say, you know what? We're both sports history. We're, we're affiliated. And this is for the listener of the show that says, I already have my own podcast. I don't really want to transition. We do have that like camaraderie community where it's not a cannibalization of podcasts. You know, sure. someone likes, uh, f- like we'll use Joe Ziemba and Joe Zagorsi as an example. Someone likes Joe Ziemba's content. There's a good chance they're also going to like Joe Zagorsi's content because they're both about football history. So naturally speaking, there's some crossovers and they both don't release one like mm-hmm. Joe, <laughs> even Darren releasing it every day. You still have enough bandwidth to listen to Darren's sure. episodes and some other guys. <laughs> um, so, but of that, now we don't, we don't, I would say, okay, sure. We have about 40 podcasts on the network, but not all of them are what I call active. We only have about 20 active shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what that means is somebody that's released an episode within the past month. Uh, but the beauty of sports history network and their content. So I'm going to use an example of date and triangles podcast that we have on there. He actually, those are episodes that he put on YouTube. I think he said like 10 years ago or something like that. Wow. He converted them into audio, but because it's evergreen content, the Dayton Triangle season that happened back in like 1920 and 21, which by the way, Triangle Park, Dayton Triangles is where the first ever NFL game was played for those of you that want a little bit of uh, bar knowledge when you go to next trivia night. But they, <laughs> he, he just is like, you know what, I'm going to put it on the network. We just kind of host it for him, cover everything. And then from there people can still listen to his show via a different platform that he already had it. So we do have a lot of everything on the network's evergreen content because it's sports history. So the ones that are releasing actively, we have about 20 that are within, you know, releasing at least monthly. So any, any success stories that you've gotten that since 2020 from any of your podcasters that you've been made aware of? Oh, I mean, there's all sorts of different ones um, as far as, you know, being recognized, Joe Ziemba gets more gigs as far as being on um, like a speaking tour for his book. That's one thing that's very beneficial. I think for those of you that are listening and you're like, I already have a book. Mm-hmm. I want to find ways to promote it more. I've had other people on the network that say that are authors and already are published. People, people found my book through listening to my podcast and vice versa, of course, too. They are, you know, the book members and then they look more up on the person and they, they find their podcast. But that's one thing that's a very beneficial. Um, I would say of, of all of it, not talking about download numbers, not talking about audience listeners or any of that stuff. It's the camaraderie and the, compu- the community that our network has helped create people. Of, they've created friendships within the organization or within the network. And now they're always communicating about other things. And then, mm-hmm. If they want to go and grab some, I don't know, we'll just use this as an example, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like we can send people essentially, like we're, we're almost like a shoe-in to send someone to the Pro Football Hall of Fame with press passes every year because we have this oh, network, right. have some clout or any other, like we've sent somebody to the Baseball Hall of Fame for their, I know the one guy, he was a uh, hello old sports, he was big poppy, you know, like when he went into the Hall of Fame yeah. that year. So like. If we want to, that's one thing that like a network allows us to do as opposed to just individual podcasts. It has a little more clout, even if I reach out to say a, an author that someone wants on their show to be able to say, 
hey, as a network, we have this podcaster that has this content and um, they, we think you'll be a good fit. So that was one, you know, individual successes has probably been more so being able to meet people they never thought they would before, being able to have opportunities open to being on other shows. We have some guys that because of this, now they're on perhaps like a little short, um, like Josie Amba, the, the Arizona Cardinals segment, things like that. I mean, he, he may have done that before anyways, but all that does is it gives them a platform and a, um, I guess you say portfolio to create and, yeah. and go from there. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, the sports history network and you've did it, you did it from my, from my own show. They've been, you've been submitting some of the podcasts to an annual podcast awards contest. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm actually glad you say it because that is one thing that uh, I just left out when it comes to like recognition and everything. So the sports yeah. podcast awards, uh, somewhere over in England, uh, Great Britain. I I don't know what city they're from, but they have it for it's an international award show dedicated just for sports podcasts. And before it was, you know, you might be part of like the podcast awards and they have a sports category or you might be part of like the um, what do they call them? The Webbies, I think, is another one that they have. Again, they have podcasts and then sports podcasts from there. They started this organization a few years ago, specifically sports podcasts. most of them are not history related. They're they're like the stuff that you might hear nowadays. If you're like a fantasy football podcast listener, you might know the fantasy footballers. There's this rugby guy that I don't know his name, but they're super popular over there. That kind of thing in soccer um, or football, depending on where you're from. You know, if you're where you're listening to this, but it's a it's an organization that was intended to bring light even in the way that they have like their categories and their voting is not intended to just be a popularity contest. Because unfortunately, that's how most awards period are it's popularity contest so they kind of structure it a little bit differently where they you put them in and then you have like a uh, a panel that sorts through them to determine here's your finalists um you know in each category they may have five to ten finalists for okay they have best american football podcast best basketball podcast sports documentary they have like tons of different categories on there you just go to the sports podcast awards website and you can see all of them which listener of your show is going to have to go on and vote for some of ours when we get that short list so then from there they let people vote on it but it's still not just a purely voted thing it's kind of weighted a little bit similar to hall of fame where you have some experts kind of weighing in but then you also have some popularity so it's like kind of closer to the older version of like the pro football pro bowlers and now it's just like the, all the voting and stuff and we get recognition as far as the network goes, because I want to tap Rick Loiza on the shoulder and give him some props because the first ever inaugural uh, sports podcast awards, his show is basketball history one Oh one. And that's by Rick Loiza. Very good show. One of our more popular shows on the network. His is just strictly uh, him on a mic, like basically reading almost through a script and it's, it's almost like you're listening to an audio book again, very well produced, very informative and all that kind of thing. But he won the basketball category, the, and the inaugural podcast awards. We had a couple others that were in what they call their shortlist, but hit, you know, Josie Embo is one of them. And then I think truly the goats might've made that year or was, and I'm getting years mixed up, but for sure he actually won that category. And we're talking about, I don't remember the guy's name, but there was a former, lakers player that had his own podcast he beat him out he beat out like this yeah like there was there's some pretty big names in that list but because his was unique and they liked it they you know he got enough votes and it's not like he had you know we at sports history network none of us have espn numbers that's Mm -hmm. like that's not what we're about we're a small niche and we're trying to hit you with it 
And be, even though we have small numbers, he still won that award. And then they put his, I got the photos, they put his logo up on like billboards, on highways, like, hey, Sports Podcast Award winner 2021, I think it would have been at that time. But yeah, like, so he, like, he got some cool recognition over there and everything like that. And then they had like a big awards. It was all, it was all streamed online because it was during like, you know, still part of COVID and everything like that. So they had like sure. this thing and then he got to actually give an announcement like thank you wow. thank you speech i guess you could say you know and it was <laughs> one of those kind of kind of neat cool. moments for him so that was probably like i now that you mentioned that that was probably our biggest win air quotes <laughs> for yeah. the source you network and then the next year 2022 we had four to five we had four or five on the short list we didn't unfortunately take home the gold that year but we had most of them you know up in like the silver and bronze if you want to call it like the olympic style this year, we're putting in, um, you know, the majority of our shows, the ones that are active, we're putting us, we, we have them put in the different categories. Like, so for instance, I'll go back to Joe Ziemba because he's he's a prime example. They have one for best team, best American football, then also sports documentaries. So we have, we have most of our shows in like three categories. Yours, I think, is in sports documentary and maybe talk. Is that what I told you? Uh, it was two categories. I think those were the yeah. two that we put you in for. Yeah. So. Okay. Who knows? Maybe one of us will, again, hopefully, you know, cross fingers. We one of us will be on the short list and then we'll then let all the listeners of the show know, hey, now that we have the voting period open, go help us out. And because it will play a, a factor in there. So speaking of the voting period, when does that take place? Um, you know, I'm going to let you uh, maybe give some filler words because I don't remember what it was. The ending... Uh, I know it's it's this twenty uh, October thirty first. I know this month is when we have to get everything in, mm-hmm. and then they do the um, about. Okay, right here's the timeline. Okay, so entries open. Okay, entries close October twenty ninth, which Sports History Network's all in there already. And then it says November through December, the industry selects. This is like they have a panel. Think of like a Hall of Fame panel. They yeah. they go through an advisory board. They go through. They listen to the different content and they look at it you know, different things. And then the shortlist announcement will be December 19th, it says, and that's when it opens to the public for voting and the voting will go through January 28th. And then they're going to awards announcement on February 1st. Okay, cool. So we'll have to get everybody's listeners for everybody's shows to start voting, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And what we'll probably do is when it gets to that point, I'll probably create a pre-roll commercial, which is, Mm -hmm you know, before every episode and it'll say, Hey, you know, we have shows on sports sure. and then encourage people to go look there. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just honored to be in the thing. I mean, regardless of the outcome, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, my show's even been selected to be entered in it. So, you know, anybody should be, that's entered in it, they should be proud of that on its own. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're You're part of like these different like big groups that are putting their podcasts up there. I'm just looking at through some of the ones from 2022, the winners. So God bless football, the fantasy footballers, uh, fantasy baseball today is a CBS sports show. So these are like some bigger guys, but then yeah. um, there's some smaller ones here too. Like these guys called defiance that won the best sports documentary for, you know, I'm trying to find our show. I know we had, I'm looking at the categories. We got in the top three in a couple, but I, this so site i'm trying to figure out how to navigate it but we did make a couple like josie ambas when football was football i think made in the top three for best american football podcast and i want to say last year we had the football history dude was in the short list for the foot we had like three in the football podcast category alone you know i i, I do remember that 
Mm-hmm. So, well, while the Sports History Network encompasses many sports, um, for yourself, I think it's kind of obvious you're football <laughs> football first. But do you, is that your favorite personal sport, and do you follow others? So, I, this is one of those scenarios where. Growing up, my favorite to play was probably basketball. The one that I was the best at that I almost had like possibility to go to college was baseball. And then the one that I've grown to really more fond of the most and my, because of my dad and my grandpa, that uh, football is by far like right now, I really don't follow the other sports that much. Um, far and away the NFL and I don't even follow college. Like I think Michigan's ranked right now pretty high. And like, I don't, I think yeah. even Michigan and Michigan state are playing today. And like, to me, it's like, no whatever, like I, that's how much I don't follow it. And not that I yeah. don't like watching it. It's just, I have to put only bandwidth into certain things. Otherwise, especially cause the network and, and that, um, what was the, what was the other question as far as what do I, I... other sports, other sports, yeah. football, yeah. Football is the only one I follow. Do I like watch? I like watching any sport, like anything that's on that's competitive, especially if it's like a team building or even if it's a one-on-one like tennis is like, it's unique to see the dance be back and forth. I don't understand like this love and 15 to nothing. Like, why is it not one to two? I like, I don't understand any of that stuff, but I still, I, I just, any kind of competition I do enjoy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been following all sports since I was, 12 years old, 1972. So, I mean, I've even watched tennis. They used to have a, I'm sure you haven't heard of it, but they used to have a professional tennis league. Um, huh. And the Pittsburgh had a team in it called Pittsburgh Triangles. And I think Ken Rosewall, who's a, who was a very good tennis player, was the, the uh, coach of the team. And it was like competitive matches, but in a team environment, it was pretty cool. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, you know, getting away from what you were talking about, but, I um, used to be a big, I was still a boxing fan. And then I started following MMA and UFC, but I've curtailed my interest in UFC because they're making it a circus sideshow. Mm. Um, but they've even here in Jacksonville this weekend, they're having bare knuckle boxing, which is crazy. Huh. So that's all the rage. Now they've created a bare knuckle boxing again, and they really don't go bare knuckle. There's just like a real thin covering over their knuckles, but it's still basically bare knuckle it's bloody it's it's a dumb sport but it's coming here to jacksonville this weekend uh, so yeah i follow quite a quite a few different sports and i like to try to treat my show to cover as many different off you know topic sports that people normally don't talk about you know, all you know most of the talks about football baseball basketball hockey but like i was telling you before there's going to be possibly a golf topic on here soccer's coming up in november so should be pretty cool Um, you know i'm actually that's that's something on the sports history network too and as your listeners are listening to this and they want to start a show we really want more non-football stuff on the show because or the network i'm sorry mm -hmm. the the reason why it's so heavily geared towards football at the moment is because you know like a lot of my guests that turn a lot of it was my guests i would talk to them on my show, which was a football history dude. And I would say, Hey, you're really good at this. Would you ever consider starting a podcast? And then it turned into, they started their own show. So it really does lean heavily towards like, we're not intended to say we're, a, we, I almost started the, the network almost was called the football history network, but I didn't want to like pigeonhole us to that. My intent was the listener of the show might come in from my podcast and they're also possibly interested in basketball, but Oh, I didn't realize there was a basketball history one one or something like that. So I think that's, that was part of the reason for the ecosystem, of the sports history network. 
Sure. And when my, I have schedules of interviews, but when those um, start slowing down and uh, I'm, I, the ones I've booked are over with, yeah, I do want to get back to what my main passion is and that's sports history. Um, so I'm a history buff. And so hopefully there'll be a few episodes coming up on some topic that has to do with sports history and that will go tie in with the name of the network. Um, so, well, even those, all those interviews, those are all sports history. You're talking about stories. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I fully believe that sports history. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, when, uh, Craig Colquitt was on and uh, he had some funny stories to tell. And I was telling you before we started the show that he came to the Steelers and he's a punter and they were trying to find him a helmet to use. And all they had around (laughs) was Terry Hanratty's old helmet with a single bar and he made a comment. He's like, I've never worn a single bar. He says, I'm telling you, every time I got hit in the head, it felt like my brain was, was rattling. It was so <laughs> unprotective, especially compared to the helmets they wear today. I mean, it's, today, it's just, you know, we still have this rash of concussions, but it's kind of hard to believe they're even happening uh, with the helmets they've got there and the safety measures they try to take. Um, but talking about football, I know you're a big Detroit Lions fan. You made that quite clear. <laughs> What do you make of their success so far this year? I mean, they're doing really well. Um, you know, the difference now, uh, first off, yes, I'm big. I mean, I get my, my Lions Cup here. I got my Barry Sanders <laughs> coaster never too far from me. There's the I never have pretty much a day where I'm not wearing some kind of Lions logo. But uh, the the first thing as far as making success is, you know, you're always hesitant as a fan of a team that has never really won anything. But at the same time, when you said and you open it up, how I blew, I drink the blue Kool Aid. Lions fans are known to drink the blue Kool Aid and get really excited at the beginning of every season, even if it seems like we're not going to have a good season. But this is the yeah. first time with what I foresee as genuine, sustained success with the way that they built the roster and the way that they built the culture and just how they've been going about it. It was sketchy for a little bit there, where where um. Campbell seemed to not be ready for the big game as far as making this, you know, big boy decisions in critical moments. But no, I, I, I think they've improved that. Of course, there's going to always be some boneheaded mistakes, but even, even the Bilicek's of the world, you look at them, you're like, what are you doing there? And I just, mm-hmm. I really do. I feel like the way that they built the culture, the way that everybody bought in, it's a game of inches. We all know this. And the game of inches can also be in the motivation factor that the players have to want to fight for that coach and fight for the team and for each other. And that's the thing I see different now than I have seen just from watching the games. And this is a cliche. I mean, I'm giving no answer that anybody else wouldn't for their team when they improve. But it's just it is. It's different. I asked my dad, um, actually, and people at work, because I don't recall the 91 season. I was six years old when that occurred. You know, I would have actually not even been six years at the time. I kind of remembered it, but I just said, is this what it felt like in 91? I mean, because like, what, like, I haven't really had this feeling in most of my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I heard something on the radio yesterday. I listened to a local sports broadcast on the radio, and they were talking about this weekend's matchup, Detroit and Baltimore. And one of the guys said to the other one, he's like, well, if you had to choose one of these two teams, who's most likely to go to the Super Bowl this year between these two teams? And they almost unanimously said Detroit, several guys on the show. So I don't know if that's a premonition uh, for your sake. Hopefully it will be. <laughs> but there's some top teams. Well, I think, there's much I think that's a combination. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say that's probably a combination of both. Baltimore is maybe not quite as to the level of they are, but also the AFC in theory, everyone believes is like harder to run through that gauntlet that is the NFC. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the NFC, I think Detroit's playing really well, but San Francisco, uh, Philadelphia, I mean, outside of those two teams, the competition drops. But over in the AFC, Miami seems to be the hot team, but, you know, um, Kansas City's always there, and Buffalo is questionable. So it's going to be an interesting finish to the season. Of course, my Steelers, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, You know, their offense is pathetic. (laughs) We're expecting a big turnaround tomorrow. See if they figured things out. We've got a bunch of starters coming back. So hopefully, I really thought the Steelers were going to be way better than they were last year, this year. And there's still potential for that. I mean, their defense is amazing. TJ Watts is Superman. He's unbelievable. I'm but, hoping this, too, that the Steelers do make a comeback on offense. I want them to push Stafford because in multiple fantasy leagues, I'm relying on some yeah. of those Rams guys. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, my, my company has a fantasy football league. I'm in second place right now. Last year, I did terrible. Uh, but this year, I missed last year's draft. And so they just randomly give you players when you don't take part in the draft. So this year I said, I am going to be at that draft. So I got home late <laughs> from somewhere and I missed the first two picks, but ended up with Brown, the wide receiver from Philadelphia and um, Travis Kelsey, my first two picks. I said, okay, that works out. Yeah, that worked out. <laughs> yeah. So then I started selecting, but I, I took uh, Kenny Pickett as quarterback. Um, I just added Deontay Johnson because he's off the injured list and um, uh, George Pickens. I had to take him because he's phenomenal. Um, and a, a bunch of other Steelers, including their kicker. So um, it's worked out for me. Uh, but I know how that fantasy football works. And so I used to never like it because I used to talk to a friend of mine. He was big in fantasy football. And I said, I don't like it because then you end up playing fantasy football and you're picking guys that aren't on your team and you end up cheering for another team. And I said, I can't do that. <laughs> well, that Very gives difficult. me an opportunity for a shameless plug for one of our uh, partners and sponsors, Tailgate Fantasy. That that kind of gets mm-hmm. around that. So the way the whole purpose of Tailgate Fantasy is you just pick one team that you like and you're going to have them the whole year and you get to just pick three different players. Oh, it's super cool. simple, easy. That's the Sports History Network's Listener League right now. Mm-hmm. You just go to Tailgate Fantasy. Oh, no, actually, to make it easier for the listener to show, SportsHistoryNetwork.com forward slash tailgate, and it'll take you right there. You'll learn more about it cool. and then – and go from there. But yeah, they're a partner of the Sports History Network. Well, as a Steelers fan, and you being a Lions fan, you may or may not have heard of this story, but got to bring it up. In 1958, <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterback Bobby Lane had called signals for the Detroit Lions, two championship teams for them, and he was traded to Pittsburgh. This is 1958. It's still unproven because his words were never recorded, but according to teammates and legend, he was angry at being traded. So what Bobby Lane said publicly was the Lions will never win another championship for the next 50 years. So following the trade the finish, that finished that 19, they finished that 1958 season with a record of four and seven. They've made the playoffs since that year, but Detroit is still without another league title winning their last one with Lane at the helm in 1957. So now we're in year 66 and Detroit is just one of three teams that have yet to reach the Super Bowl joining Cleveland and Houston. And what do you make of all that? And will Detroit ever see the Super Bowl as one of the two teams playing in it? So, well, first, yes, of course, we're going to make Super Bowl. I drink the blue Kool-Aid. We talked about that at the beginning of the episode. Um, second, uh, well, when I went, so I moved, I, this is, I don't know why I wasn't even thinking about this, but when I lived in Dallas for a hot minute, I went to the high school where Bobby Lane played, oh, no where, 
because, and this was within the first day I was there, because I had to take a picture. It also happens to be the like, high school that Matthew Stafford played for. And I had to take a picture on the field with my Stafford jersey. Um, but the other thing is, I don't know if it's more of the Bobby Lane curse or if it's the John F. Kennedy curse. And I don't know if you've heard of this one. No, I haven't. Okay, so the day that the Ford, act, you know, he actually made the transaction of buying in the Ford family. We always joke they care more about selling cars than to do the team. But the day that they bought that that they bought uh, the, the Ford actually signed the paperwork to buy the team happened to be the same day that JFK was shot. Oh, no kidding. So oh was God. there something going on there? Because there's the joke that JFK oh has there's the, the Lions. He's only missed one playoff game victory since you know the for the lions which is 91 um do i believe in curses no do i believe in bad ownership yeah do i believe in bad, <laughs> bad organizations that don't that only care about making you know sales on their cars and having a logo on the stadium as opposed to putting any kind of football people in charge and it's funny how when you actually go back and you get spielman barry sanders back involved and then you let spielman kind of run the show as opposed to you know a family that doesn't know anything about football um um, jerry jones and then you actually have a team that knows what they're you know an organization that puts football people in charge and now it seems like now they're having a team i think i believe more in that than i do a curse sure and and that's funny that might be a good topic for another show is curses in sports uh, Mm -hmm. because chicago cubs are famous for the billy goat curse and we could talk about that another day but or the bambino uh, or whatever and yeah, because uh, long story short, Chicago Cubs, this guy brought his pet goat to the game, and they told him he was not allowed to have the goat in the stadium and to have it removed. And after that, the Cubs just went on this monstrous losing streak. So they, huh. they called it the Billy Goat Curse. I never heard so, of that one. Yeah, you have to look that one up. It's hilarious. Uh, I think that would be a great episode. Yeah, and you could get yeah. cross like other members mm-hmm. on the network to like bring their own curses and sure. that people have never heard. I think that would be a cool crossover event. Absolutely, because there's plenty of them. I mean, definitely there's plenty of curses that go on in sports. I mean, there's the Madden curse that everyone talks about. You know, this stuff. Now, I heard someone recently joking about the Subway curse because Russell Wilson, once he started doing the Subway commercials, he just really tanked it. I've never heard that one. But the the Madden curse, definitely, there's something to that. You you would think anyway because it has happened so often that whoever's on the cover ends up getting injured the following season. Oh, that or they retire. My guy, yeah. Barry Sanders. He was supposed to be on the cover the next year, and then he decides to retire. I, I, we don't want to bring up bad memories, I guess. Well, that's funny you bring up Barry Sanders because that was going to be my next question. As a Lions fan, uh, who is your favorite player of all time? Without being biased, the second part of this question, and before we get to it, I honestly believe that Barry Sanders, I wish he would have played longer because in my mind, he's and Walter Payton are the two best running backs ever, without question. I mean, Barry Sanders was so much fun to watch because he was so elusive um, and Peyton elusive, but at the same time powerful. But without being biased, Emmett Smith, the all-time leading rusher, who's the better running back, Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders? I think, well, first off, I did tell you earlier, I got the Barry Sanders coaster never too far from my hand. I was going to grow up as a kid, you know, in Michigan watching, like I didn't know anything but Barry Sanders because he was drafted 89 I was born in 85. So I didn't remember anything but Barry Sanders being on the team. And when you're at the stadium, the Silverdome, this is the old place the Lions played in Pontiac. If you go back and watch the old videos, you'll, all you'll hear the whole stadium just chanting. It's not go Lions. It's Barry, Barry, wow. 
<laughs> oh, like I'm getting chills and I'm probably getting goosebumps all over. Like my hair is raised. Look, I don't know if you can see it. My my hair is raised up just when I said that. I just because of and I can't wait to this documentary that comes out. So I am in no position ever to give a non-biased opinion on Barry Sanders versus Emma Smith, <laughs> but I will try. So from a talent level, a athletic, obscure, unique positional player of all time Barry Sanders is hands down I think better than Barry than Emma Smith again I can't be unbiased mm. I will make that clear from a <laughs> football positional roster piece I could see how in the right position Emma Smith is definitely better so I would I was trying to think about this when you asked me the question I could see in the Kyle Shanahan I'm going to bring it to a modern day system. Kyle Shanahan, which of course was from, you know, father Mike Shanahan. So in the Shanahan system, I could see how Emmett Smith would be the better player to have on that team. Cause he was more of like a, I'm going to be I'm he, vision, patience, one cut, go balance, all that type of stuff where Barry's more of like the, I'm going to run around. And was it a product of, because his team was so bad, he always had to just make it up or would he have been able to actually hit the hole? DeAndre Swift in a current modern NFL is a perfect prime example with the lions. He just, for whatever reason, didn't, he couldn't find that hole to hit and go on a consistent basis. Now with the Eagles, it's like, they just did something. He's doing something different with them. So he just wasn't a good fit. So I was, I always look at that as the greatest of all time. And I think that's one of those near impossible challenges because sweetness walter pay like he might have been the better player to have on anybody's roster even though barry sanders talent wise might have been better from like you said the shiftiness it's like it's, it's just to give you an unbiased opinion best player yes barry sanders was the better running back but teammate i don't know it might have been emma smith if, if you want to win championship i still i still could argue probably that from a non-biased emma smith might have been in the right position the best player to have on the roster or the field at that time I think Barry Sanders, Oklahoma State, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, okay. Oklahoma State, because I remember watching him in college. I was like, holy crap, who is this guy? My God, he's phenomenal. Just He was like running through, you know, uh, paper him. He just was an incredible runner. Um, But it's interesting because I had um, one of my interviews last weekend. We were talking about the same subject. And this guy I interviewed was a high school football player where I went. He went to Calvary University of Pennsylvania, very successful there. But we were talking about this same topic and talking about Emmett Smith. I said, well, he was behind such a massive offensive line. It was almost impossible for him not to get yards. And the comment from my guest was, well, could you imagine Barry Sanders behind that line? Now, I think if Barry Sanders would have played out his career as far as it could go, he would have set the all-time record beyond anybody ever breaking it. I think he would have set the bar so high, Emmett Smith Smith would have never touched it. Um, But he only played a few, what, 10 seasons, I think, Barry Sanders? Um, I want to say, for some reason, I want to say nine. I know it was 1,000 yards every time. Like, he holds the record for the most, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, the most yards. Whatever it was, it was significantly less than Emmett, though. Yeah, and styles make everything, and they are of different style, all these guys are, but I can tell you for, as a power runner, nobody touches Jim Brown. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy, and he's another one that retired way early. If he'd have continued playing, he would have thousands of more yards, but this dude was averaging like a hundred yards a game, every game. Uh, he was just phenomenal. It's like a freight train running through the line and he was almost impossible and to bring down. He had to deal with stuff that 
the players in the NFL do not have to deal with now because mm-hmm. of the color of his skin. Exactly. And everybody trying to come after him at the bottom of the pile, being kicked, poking his eye, all this stuff. So I think what he did was more impressive than any other running back that we were going to talk about. Necessarily, we can go back way back to the old school mm-hmm. you know, running backs. But I think Jim Brown's career was more impressive than even I, – I have to I have to admit, more than Barry Sanders even. Yeah, and I don't know who would want to kick that dude because – he was mean. <laughs> I mean, he was a mean son of a bitch. I mean, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's not somebody you would want to mess with or meet in a dark alley on the street. <laughs> Absolutely. And unfortunately, he passed away this year. So, um, you know, he, but he lived a good long life and he became a movie actor after that. I think that's why he quit football. When uh, I saw he, 20, 2019, I think it was, I'm at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And there were a bunch of people kind of hovering around this location right before, like, where they have the the Ralph Hay, um, like, the research center. My dad and I stopped just trying to figure out what's going on here. There was a car, and they pulled up, they opened it up. Out comes Jim Brown. I recognized who he was, of course, because, you know, even if you're not a fan from that era. Yeah. And I saw so many people, and again, I'm getting, like, I'm starting to tear up and cry, but I saw all these mm. grown men crying and wow. cheering him on, and most of them even uh. were talking that had nothing to do with his football yeah. playing. It was all mm. to do with his, what he gave to society and trying to mm. put for equal rights and all that stuff. But like, sure. that right there in that moment, I realized what he meant to mm-hmm. people and to the world. Uh, be beyond the game of the gridiron, beyond football. Like I just, sure. he was a dude that had more impact probably than mostly, and he used his fame and fan or whatever for good. I, so I keep rambling, but like I, I just that you made me think about that moment, and I'm getting a little like sure. emotional about it right now. Yeah, I mean, you could say the same for um, Walter Payton, uh, superhuman being, um, as a caring human being. Uh, his loss was a real tragedy. I mean, that was just a sad, sad, sad day when he when he got sick and, and passed passed on but um phenomenal athlete there um so let me ask you what your goals are now for the sports history network and do you have any expectations you would like to meet so the overarching you know pie in the sky goal that has no true goal value to it to be a smart goal is we want to become the headquarters for sports gesture year meaning essentially we want to be comparable to People think of those four letters ESPN as far as like the global network for sports. I would like to see Sports History Network, and there's many different avenues for that, but I would like to see us become SHN synonymous with ESPN from the Mm. sports history realm. People across the world know about it, and they know that they can trust the Sports History Network to come in and provide them with entertaining value, sports history that's accurate, stuff that... They can find new content they hadn't learned about before, which kind of leads me into the, uh, I don't know, we want to say success or goals or whatever, but that that's part of what it is. It's creating a, not just the headquarters of Sports History, but we have two different customers from the Sports History Network side. So we have the podcaster and we want to be able to provide them with tools, resources, and I use the joke or whatever you want to call it, the, the analogy of helping them fill their own stadiums with fans, air quotes, listeners because we have different shared resources. And then for the listener, we want it to be able to come into this stadium and not only 
watch that game, listen to the podcast and learn about something entertaining. And they also are able to learn something fresh that they've never heard before, but then Mm -hmm. they can walk out of that stadium and right down the street. Okay. In Detroit, we have Comerica and we have all the stadiums right next to each other. They could walk into a new stadium air quotes podcast and learn about a whole nother sport that maybe opens their eyes that then they can perhaps become a fan of that sport or they can, you know, just learn something else. Like that's the goal is creating this, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say ecosystem, but like this synergistic relationship between the listeners and the podcasters, but then also cross-referencing through sports and time. Sure. And I think the array of different sports that you have on your network is a very good thing because, you know, you could turn your radio on and listen to football, and that's all they're talking about right now, or the World Series coming up. Um, hockey's underway and NBA is getting started. Um, and those are the five, four or five major sports that you're going to hear on the radio. And that's all you're going to hear. So you can turn to the sports history network and you might be interested in a different kind of sport or a different story or some history. And you'll be able to find it on the sports history network, which is a really cool thing. We even have stuff talking about Flama the great. And this, so, so he's, he's the greatest gladiator from like the Roman era of all time. You know, like you think that you have this, this, uh, you know, unbeatable Otto Graham, 10 championships in 10 years. And, you know, yeah. he's got these great stats. No, Flama the Great, man. He was the dude. He <laughs> he 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 earned his chance to be like if you ever watched the Russell Crowe movie where you can earn your chance to yeah. get out of the, you know, you're not a gladiator anymore, earn your freedom. He had a chance like three different times, but he just was so dominant. He kept going back. So he was like that era is like, I don't know. Think of the most, you know, the famous LeBron James, whoever's the most famous athlete right sure. now. That was Fly Mother Great. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. Truly the well, GOATs. Right. That's the podcast. <laughs> That's good. Well, Ernie, once again, I would like to thank you for the support of this show and all the assistance you provided in making this a successful podcast. You're more than welcome to come back at any time as a guest and as I do with everyone that appears on the show. I give you the opportunity for any parting words. So. I would say if you're someone that's interested in starting a podcast, because that's how we started this whole show or episode, entertain the idea. Don't sit back and think that you are not going to be interesting. You're not someone that has, you know, the imposter syndrome. You're not, no one's going to listen to your voice and all that thing. If you're interested, reach out to the Sports History Network. We have a contact page. It goes right to my inbox. I will reach back out to you. We'll have a conversation even if you don't want to start a podcast, you want to write an article for us or whatever it may be, I think diving into history through the avenue of sports really helps us understand where we came from. And then we can be able to share that message with the masses, their quotes, because we want to fill the stadiums and everything. So again, if you're interested, reach out to us at sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash contact. But if you just go right to sportshistorynetwork.com, you're going to have the contact icon right at the top on the menu. All right. Well, folks, that's a wrap on yet another episode of the Total Sports Recall Podcast. And as always, next weekend brings another episode. To be sure to keep checking my Twitter page for announcements of shows and updates to my website, which you can find at totalsportsrecall.com. You may reach out to me by email at the address of totalsportsrecall at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel by the same name, Total Sports Recall. Or you can give me a shout out on the Twitter using my handle at TSRHarv59. For Artie Chapman, this is Harv Aronson wishing everyone a wonderful week ahead.
contents of this podcast does not represent the opinions of others and is solely the opinions of Harv Aronson based on his experience, knowledge, and research. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.